Chaos is good for shipping, yeah. Chaos, chaos makes people nervous about getting their goods so they'll pay more for cargoes. Is shipping ready to be decarbonized? How can it be decarbonized? The challenge for journalism is to create services of value, not, not clickbait. You use those web mm -hmm. techniques just to get people to read a story. Be humble, be honest, uh, be true to yourself, those sorts of things. I think in this complex world, if you're not true to yourself, if you don't have personal values that you live, it can be psychologically very, very difficult. I'm Farah Shamas. Welcome to Hotel Talk. We hope you enjoy listening to this friendly conversation between people connected by real life in hotels. Today, I'm so happy to have with us Julian Bray, who is the editor-in-chief of Trade Wings, which is a shipping business publication. It is 30 years old, I've just learned, because obviously I'm not in the shipping industry, even though we have our own marina here in Cyprus. So I do know a little bit about yachting and marinas, but not so much shipping. Um, however, this is really proof that we are all connected by hotels, because Julian and I met because he was a guest of our hotel here in Limassol, Cyprus, because at the moment there is Maritime Cyprus going on. So Julian, welcome. Welcome to St. Raphael. Welcome to Hotel Talk. And thank you so much for sparing some time to be with us on this podcast. Farah, an absolute uh, pleasure to be today and uh, great to meet you and uh, take part in this uh, podcast. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. So why don't you start by telling people who aren't in shipping why shipping is so important? Well, I I think actually in the last couple of years, a lot of people have realized how important it is. You know, after the lockdown, when everyone was sitting at home thinking they needed some new garden furniture and needed to get it from uh, from Asia, and suddenly the ships were full, and then the, the huge container ship got stuck in the Suez Canal. There were real problems, and the cost of shipping uh, uh, went up, the, uh, the delivery times went out, and I'm sure everyone has a story of not being able to buy something they took for a group. Toilet paper. Yeah. Toilet paper. It was crazy. Absolutely. And it was all business stuck on ships. And... The shipping industry is, um, it's, it's one of those, uh, it's sort of like uh, an essential service that nobody really thinks about. It's there, it works, it brings stuff to our doors, you know, fuel, manufactured goods, cars, whatever it may be, grain, oil. Um, and it just gets on with the job. Of course, we notice it when it goes wrong, as these things do. And uh, as, a, as a shipping, as an industry, it's uh, the centre of a lot of the, uh, the crises and opportunities that uh, the global economy is facing today. Absolutely. I think so many people didn't really think about where anything came from or how it got to us. And it was like, oh, I'll just order that from here or there. And then lockdown really made people realize, oh, Amazon, well, one minute, how's that getting to me? And why is there a delay? And absolutely. So, um, so I've been to many conferences in Cyprus where people have said about shipping and how important it is. Um, tell us a little bit about your publication and because that's obviously geared towards the people in the industry, which from yeah. what I understand is a very, very tight-knit industry. Tradewind certainly isn't something uh, I'd expect uh, many, of your, uh, many of your viewers or visitors would be particularly interested well, in. Well, we get a Although, lot of people in the shipping industry well, stay with us, so yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe it is. It's one of those uh, specialist publications. It's almost a business service in its way. Mm -hmm. But with shipping, because it's such a private industry, and obviously here in Cyprus, which is a major shipping centre. It's a huge place. So I, I'm yeah. pretty sure a lot of listeners, if they're based in Cyprus as well, they'll, be, they'll know you, they'll know your publication and sure. they'll want to yeah, know more about it. 
the um, what's what's great about being a journalist in shipping, although that sounds like a slightly slightly strange thing, <laughs> is being Normally. being being a, such a private business, uh, yet being a business which is um, so personally networked and with such amounts such huge amounts of money on the table and deals and the issues the industry is facing. It's a very vibrant thing. Well, there's so much is at stake, isn't it? There's ups and downs all the time. People can make, I don't want to say millions, multi-multi-millions and then lose. They can make make billions. Billions and then lose it. In the, uh, we were just talking about the the problems with container shipping. Because of those problems, the price for shipping containers went through the roof. The price for hiring, for chartering, as they say, the container ships went through the roof. There were several people who literally made billions and billions of dollars out of those uh, those gyrations. So there is a lot of money on the table, and there are still the shipping magnets, the characters, the uh, you know some are good, some are bad, and some are a bit ugly. Uh, but all of them are like fascinating and very very creative and really interesting to be uh, be reporting. And you've been working in your in this current position for how long? I've been the editor in chief of uh, Tradewinds since two thousand and eight. Wow. Before that, I was the editor of Lloyd's List, which some people may have uh, may remember used to be a daily newspaper, sort of the bible of uh, global shipping. It's, it's no longer really what it what it was. And uh, before that, I worked for Reuters as okay. a news journalist and uh, sort of thing. So I'm pickled in uh, pickled in news. But how did you how did you get into shipping then or shipping journalism? Entirely entirely by accident. It was I um I found I was quite good at journalism when I was at college. I studied geology actually rather than wow. journalism. But found that the the writing and construction of news stories, it was uh, I, I was just accidentally good at it, and mm. uh, and one thing led to another. I worked on a few small business publications, and I had an opportunity on a small shipping business publication to um, to take a bit of a leadership position, and found it worked. And you know, then career ladders uh, might be entirely haphazard, but thankfully, uh, well, you good. So. <laughs> needless to say, you're obviously <laughs> excellent at your job. Otherwise, you wouldn't have got where you've got. Oh, no, I'm sure, I'm sure. So now I want to get into nitty gritty a little bit about journalism. So I'm sure as a business publication as well, I mean, you're not a tabloid, you're writing very factual, informative pieces. Do you put opinions on that as well? You do, but we are careful to make sure there's a clear differentiation. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there are shades of grey in opinion. Now, for instance, a straight news story, you know, a politician says X yeah. because they want to raise tax for Y, etc. Then, of course, it's how you interpret that. Yeah, is that good? Is that bad? Well, What's yeah, there's, the, yeah, there's good and bad. There's also is it uh, is it credible or or is it does, are there risks involved? You know, in the UK, the risk mm-hmm. of the markets recently is an interesting one. But then, is it good? Is it bad? Um, we are on the relatively conservative side in our news reporting because we are trying to inform people of the landscape that business is operating in. However, though, we do have opinion pieces where I write sometimes right and some of my colleagues write where we say, actually, this is really lousy. This is a bad idea and it shouldn't be happening. Or this is great and we should have more of it. Because I think to be slightly contrarian, slightly provocative, slightly helpful, enthusiastic, you know, that adds Adds to adds, the debate. Adds colour. Yes, and it stimulates um, stimulates thought and, and creativity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Have you ever gone out with a piece that you regretted? <laughs> you, mean, you mean, have we ever been sued? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the uh, we've been, we we have relatively few serious legal uh, legal problems because we are we pride ourselves of being very like, careful. Well, not only careful but professional. Okay. So we um, we obviously report on court cases and arguments and legal legal rounds. 
but sometimes sometimes you make mistakes sometimes you get led astray by people one or two of the worst cases we've had the most difficult cases of when we have um found ourselves arguing other people's corners we thought we were reporting factually but actually we were reporting quite partial facts and uh, in those cases you have to uh, fall back and admit you're wrong and suffer the consequences and uh, pay the legal bills uh, but that's um i think it's sort of largely largely the the world of uh, libel in business press today is uh, fairly straightforward if you make a bad error you're liable to be uh, tripped up but if you act to put it right quickly if it's an honest error mm. then there isn't too much uh, too much payback um hopefully we don't make too many errors to be in that position but when you do you need to uh, face up to to quickly i love that honesty is key and i definitely can sense that yeah honesty and trust mm-hmm. because we are um, as as some of these niche publications are their subscription publications mm-hmm. people buy them for intelligence and knowledge about the business bit of entertainment around the edge you know, some of the mavericks and magnets. exactly you yeah. want a bit of gossip as well absolutely absolutely but at the heart of it it's about knowledge and trust and understanding and usefulness to help people in their mm-hmm. in their own businesses so that has to be rooted in factual accuracy and truth and then honest fairly held opinions where where there are those opinions so it's uh, yeah it's 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 hugely stimulating i must say so where do you see the future i mean the pandemic well, has brought with it i mean yeah. what what a crisis for every single industry out there Indeed. um and shipping is no exception so yeah. where where do you see the future because i know that a lot of people are quite um i won't say nervous but concerned yeah. about about the the future right now actually the mood in the shipping industry in general is broadly fairly positive mm-hmm. right now i should say and just a tiny bit of history here going back in the uh, the tooth of the first decade of the 2000s up till the financial crash there was a huge boom in shipping and people made a lot of money and there were a lot of ships and a lot of things being being uh, shipped around the world then for pretty much the following 10 years there were a lot of the debt that had been built up was very slowly squeezed out of the system a lot of the companies had overcommitted and they were stretched they couldn't make new investments Not so many companies went bust, but it was a difficult time. The, the 2010s were a difficult period in shipping. It was very slow. In the last few years, just before COVID, in fact, a lot of the markets gathered pace and started moving in the right direction, which is one of the reasons you had the container problems here, yeah? because there was this squeeze. So there's there's that optimism. Now there have been the following crises. There was COVID. There were the, the disruption. There's now the war and the sanctions. More chaos. But of course, that's chaos is good for shipping. Yeah, chaos chaos makes people nervous about getting their goods, so they'll pay more for cargoes. So ship owners. It's all about like retail that. as well. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And now you've got this situation where the big risk factor is decarbonisation. That's why here at Maritime Cyprus, why I've been in the thing in the hotel, you know, having quite high level discussions about where the decarbonisation process goes. Is shipping ready to be decarbonised? How can it be decarbonised? There are lots of questions, lots of unanswered. Questions. And how can it become sustainable? Yeah, that's that's the question. When you have um, basically the industry still burns oil. To mm-hmm. cut a long story short. and oil clearly isn't very clean mm-hmm. but there aren't today viable uh, alternatives. alternatives to put on a ship right now at this moment to be carbon free so the question is how long it takes to get there how much renewable energy to make this stuff uh, if it's ammonia how to get it onto the ships what price it will be where can they pick it up to refuel it's a very complex network there's some optimism that will approach in the next few years or a tipping point it'll go over 
Uh, but there's also some conservatism that, oh, this is too complex to solve. Uh, a lot of other things need to fall in place. So there's, there's, there's a lot going on, a fascinating mm. But they, Overall, for shipping, it's, it's quite an interesting and sort of, there are, there's some measure of optimism that both the markets and these questions will sort of create, put, a, put it into a more interesting place. What would be your tips for the younger you, someone like you, starting out, someone listening to this who's maybe 20 years old and says, I want to go into journalism or I love shipping. I think I could do this. There was journalism today can be a really good career, but you have to be creative. I think you have to be versatile. You have to do things like this. You have to do video and and podcasts as well as print. You have to be willing to change. You And adapt, I guess. And you have to be creative. No, which are all 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 mm. um, all very interesting and stimulating uh, things. You can actually also have a career. A few years ago, say ten years ago, maybe there was a lot of paper that uh, journalism as a career because nobody people were being sacked. Newspapers weren't seen as having a future. Uh, video and podcasts hadn't really worked. But I think the future is what you're doing. It's subscriptions. It's what people yeah. people don't want to go on a Sunday or a Tuesday and buy a printed newspaper if they have time, if they find it, if they can carry it around. They have their smartphones. They want to be able to access good information, and they're willing to pay for it. Yeah. And in, and in many cases, it's like paying for a cup of coffee. And and that's what they they want, and they're willing to spend. And you'll pay for the things you value. Mm. You'll pay for Netflix. You yep. pay for Disney Plus. Yep. You'll pay for an iPhone uh, and the mm-hmm. things that come with that. You'll pay for services that you value. Yep. The challenge for journalism is to create services of value, not not clickbait. I mean, clickbait's mm-hmm. funny. You know, yep. there's funny things you get at the bottom yep. of the free yep. web pages. Exactly, Everyone's yep. clicked on them and thought, what is that? Yeah. Someone got paid one of a P for you doing that. It's, it's irrelevant. The stuff that you really want is the stuff up front, the stuff people will want to pay for, to read, to view, to listen to. Absolutely. I I remember talking to someone in marketing, actually, and having that as a really good piece of advice, because there's always a way with the backlinks and putting, you know, a certain number of words in your opening paragraph and um, having a repetition throughout your article, you know, in order to get um, more potential uh, traffic to your website or to your blog or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, if it's not interesting, no one's going to no one's going to read it. So value is in actually making it interesting and then it's going to sell itself. That's a very wise comment. That's exactly it. If you use those web mm-hmm. techniques just to get people to read a story, but then they find the story useless or wrong or inaccurate or untruthful, mm-hmm. you've actually done yourself damage. And some of the big, I mean, okay, I, I, maybe I'm not reading the shipping um, newspapers, but the international ones, even dare I say Financial Times or other big, big publications, Sometimes some of their their articles can border on gossip columns or just oh, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's shocking. Like, and you read them and you say, what what was that about? Like, I read this because I trusted. I went to the end of the article because I trusted it was going to give me value. And when it doesn't serve you, then you, you're left with that really horrible aftertaste of, hmm. The, I think um, journalism does suffer uh, from a problem of its own making, actually, over the years that... Uh, you know, the phrase, the fourth estate, that it was, you know, holding people to account, which is which is what it does in, in sort of democratic terms. But it makes it sound as sort of something like an institution that's noble and and sort of above itself. You know, it, that's a dangerous place to be. Really, it's about human, human connection and human discourse and factual reporting and analysis. And yes, holding, holding people down is a very important thing. But journalism can make mistakes. 
and it needs to face up to the mistakes in the UK. The journalism of the last 20 years have been some. My uh, goodness. There have been a lot, a lot of bad mistakes. And journalism hasn't, and journalists haven't been good enough, good, good enough at facing up to those mistakes and mm-hmm. acknowledging they need to do better because they are, they are human and they were driven yeah. by uh, other professional, um, a lot of commercial, uh, commercial, um, reasons. And, I was going to say, loving what they do as opposed to just loving the money yeah, as well. Yeah. There, there needs to be some humility. Like, like, like it, frankly, everything in, uh, in life, you need to uh, be careful, professional, humble. I love that. I, I think that's brilliant. Um, so let's get on to a little bit about hotel talk now. So how have you found Cyprus? Um, I don't know. Is this your first time here? You've been no, here several times in Maritime. Quite, well, quite a few times, probably five or six times. Okay. I've never been here for very long, often for conferences or meeting people. To, so you've uh, never actually holidayed here? No, sadly not. Yeah. No, it's like, it's a, one of the terrible things about my job is I've travelled around the world a great deal and gone to some really interesting places, met lots of very interesting people, but I've actually spent relatively little time in those places. In the actual country, them. yeah. You see a hotel, a conference room, the airport, yeah. maybe a restaurant, and then that's it. I, I, I had that when I travelled a lot. What's disappointing, of course, you haven't seen the sites and you haven't yeah. sort of uh, you know been to the uh, lovely restaurants and things. The interesting part of it, though, is you've seen the real life and you've met real people. I mean, I yeah. could suggest this today. You know, mm. talking to you, this is this is about real life rather than about sort of the holiday, yeah, thing, yeah, which is all very. Uh, or very sort of artificial, can be uh, artificial. Can be, yeah. But you do like to kick back from time to time. Well, next time you should definitely come for, for longer and enjoy it a bit. It's a, it's a lovely, uh, lovely place. I, mean, I love the Mediterranean, as, 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 as all of us Northern Europeans do. It's such a great place. It's relaxed. Lovely the food is great. The people are great. It's, uh, it's, it's always so, uh, so relaxing. I know. It was so funny. Um, we got uh, you know, one of our feedback forms from an in-house guest recently, and I don't know how many times they've been, but they said, oh, this place is so lovely. I can't believe it. The food's fantastic. Um, we love the views. Um, this would actually be great for a holiday as well. And I was thinking like, well, actually, most people do come here for a holiday, but they were obviously here for business. But it was such a, the way that they wrote it was such an afterthought of, oh, like as if we hadn't even considered that ourselves. So, yeah, I thought it was a, a really um, funny comment. So, um, how have you found the St. Raphael itself and being here? That's been fabulous. We were just here for a few days, as, uh, as uh, we were saying, and I've been busting in and out to the, uh, to the, the conference every day, so I haven't spent that much time in the hotel, but the time here has been lovely. And I must say, and uh, I, I say this from the heart, the staff have been fantastic. Friendly, helpful, useful, getting ourselves out of a couple of pickles when we struggle to get taxis as things have been so busy. Uh, oh. Really, really nice bunch of people. And a credit to the uh, to the hotel. Um, the hotel's been very... Uh, they're our biggest asset. So thank you so much. So when you've travelled around all over the place, what's, what's your favourite place? If you had to pick one... Um, Probably, actually, and I'll be lucky to say I'm going back there in a few weeks, Japan. Oh, wow. My husband really wants to go to Japan. Yeah, there's there's something sort of beautiful and exotic and uh, slightly mystical about Japan in every way. It's it's quite difficult to penetrate if you don't speak the language, obviously. Yeah. But the the calmness, the the zen of the the culture, the beauty of the landscape, all the cultural artefacts and the food... Wow, uh, it's just, just it's amazing. Huh? It was, it was one, if I had an one, organization, I'm sure. Yeah, if yeah. there's one last place I would like to spend a couple of weeks, it would probably I'd probably pick uh, Japan or the top of a mountain somewhere. I like mountains. Ah, so um, I love asking all the guests this. Um, 
Well, not all, but it's a lot. And you being a man of words, I definitely want to ask, what is one of your favourite quotes? One of my favourite quotes? Oh, that's, that's really... <laughs> i put you on the spot now. That really has put me on the spot. You know, I've always been very bad at telling jokes from a kid. You know, there, were, there was always someone yeah. that would rattle off jokes. Oh, until now, there's always someone who can be at dinner party and just... Yeah, and even, even when... So I'm playing for time now, as you can tell... Even when the, when I've heard a joke, which is really funny, I thought I must remember. remember that. I can never remember them. And actually, now you've put me on the spot. Of, uh, or sayings or mantra or mantra. something, yeah. I would say, um, as I've touched on a, a few times, I guess, um, be humble, be honest, uh, be true to yourself, those sorts of things. I think in this complex world, if you're not true to yourself, if you don't have personal values that you live, it can be psychologically very, very difficult. I mean, we've all, we all suffer arguments with ourselves about should I be doing something or another? Is our, my career right? Is my boss doing the right thing? Am I in the right relationship? All those sorts of things. But you have to be true to yourself. You have to, I think, care, care about those around you. Um, and most people, I think it, that's what makes humanity so such an incredible thing, the, the, the bonds that people make because of that, that mm-hmm. care for themselves and care for families and, uh, and the groups around us, which uh, so and rather, social rather, beings. Rather, yeah. rather than the quote as a, as a um, sort of theme for life, mm. life I think that's uh, I think that's useful. Absolutely. So the last, last question that I will ask you is one that I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I don't have many left now because this is these are not asked by me it's a team effort and the team have put together some questions so you can see i've had quite a lot of podcasts already because this jar was full so we'll take one one. shall i read it out to you um okay i hope it's something we haven't haven't already touched on how would you describe yourself in just one word. That's just one. That, that just is really, one. That I, is, heard, I, I sometimes, I sometimes put to interview. I'm quite impressed with just, my team because they've come up with some really I've, I've deep questions. Just three words. Well, we can do three uh, and then well, narrow it down. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd like to say um, thoughtful, caring. Perhaps actually be a bit, a bit more, um, a bit more self-critical, intense. A bit too intense. Is, I, I think is intense is, is positive. Actually, is it, I, I, I interpret that as positive. Let's, let's go for it. Let's go for intense because I, I do. I've got a horrible habit of when I do something. Enthusiastic. <laughs> for me, intense means enthusiastic, yeah, really going yeah, for something and loving it. That's brilliant. Well, I think um, you've touched on so many interesting points, and the main being know yourself and be true to yourself. Um, I think too many of us in this day and age have imposter syndrome where people are pretending to be something they're not whether that's on social media with their friends they're acting out and then you know when the doors close and the parties over so to speak they realize that they're they don't even know themselves and they hit depression they feel low they feel sad and i think what you what you've said is absolutely fundamental for people now of any age is just to spend time getting to know yourself spend time loving yourself forgiving yourself Mm. caring for yourself yeah and moving forward and growing and in in subscribing to things you care about <laughs> learning absolutely educating yourself i'm just finishing a book i've got it in my room i've been reading a couple of uh, pages in the evening when i've had, had a moment it's about uh, hollywood in the 1980s and sorry like in the 1970s london when, or hollywood no hollywood hollywood uh, the way the old studio system fell mm-hmm. apart and it was reborn but then that fell apart and it fell apart largely because people weren't true to themselves. They were living these myths mm. and they started to believe the myths that not so much they were peddling, but were being peddled around them. 
Mm-hmm. And it's really tragic it's, it, reading the story of these, the Spielbergs and the George Lucases and the like. They they survived it. But the, the Marilyn next, Monroe the, and, and so many other people that just couldn't do it. They couldn't yeah. live that persona that was created for them. Yeah, pe- people like uh, the producer Evans and Peter Bogdanovich and people, they just completely lost the plot mm. because they couldn't they couldn't live this artificial life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite harrowing, actually, the, the yeah. story. So. And a lot of the time, I think, them and other people, they, they end up not even creating that for themselves. So it's not even that they're, oh, I, I would like to be that person, so I'm going to pretend to be that person. Because at least at least there's almost an aim in that. But someone else has told them, well, you know, you're a woman, you should behave like this. You're um, a man and you're the son of, you should be like this. Or you're, you're good looking and therefore you have to look, yeah. you know, and have these girlfriends around you or mm. whatever it might be. And all these people have just ended up just miserable because that's not who they truly are it's not who they wanted to be um they even became those people before they even knew who they were in some cases so yeah i think um i think these are the stories we all have to look at and then learn from that um and even on a more simpler scale without looking at the famous and the well-known but even as parents as friends as mentors for anyone it's just to encourage people to be true to themselves yeah It's been a pleasure uh, being with you today. Thank you so, so much. It's been my pleasure. I'm so happy to have met you, and I hope that you'll come back and stay at the hotel many, many more times. Really look forward to it. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you. Thank you for being here.